federal is always going to be on the horizon. Operations-wise, it'll be a shit show because everyone is literally working on their own states. So I think interstate commerce and, you know, descheduling, decriminalizing, you know, just like, just make sure you're not fucking arrested for it, okay? That is to get there. Plus, trying to explore interstate commerce, I think, has a better chance of federal because, you know, at the end of the day, federal, you're talking politics here. There's like deep pockets everywhere. There's religion. There's everything. Like, we have a big fight here. So, you know, little wins while we can. I mean, come on. Hi, my name is Shada Tarabi, and I'm passionate about all things business, marketing strategies, and consumer packaged goods. Here to help you navigate how to apply what I've learned running my own seven-figure business, sharing the highs and lows along the way. I'm an Austin, Texas-based, extremely curious entrepreneur who's built a successful business and a personal brand in the cannabis industry. I'll share raw, unfiltered conversations to help you navigate your own path and build a life and business you love. Nothing is off the table here from speculation and insights into the future of cannabis to exploring how to find health in life so you can have wealth in business. I'll highlight industry trends you need to pay attention to, as well as share my favorite tools to get the job done. Whether you're trying to evolve your personal brand, launch a business, or just here to learn as much as you can, pull up a seat, light one up, and get ready for some raw talk and inspiration. This is the To Be Blunt podcast. We are live streaming interviews now on YouTube presently, in addition to your regularly scheduled Monday morning podcast episodes. So thank you for being here. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. My name is Shada Trabi and I'm your host. And today I'm joined by my friend, Elizabeth Udell. And Liz, I'm just going to read your bio from the interweb and you can fill in things as we go. But you're known as director of digital content (laughs) and social media in the entertainment restaurant, lifestyle, e-commerce, education, and cannabis industries. You're a friend of the podcast. And today I just want to dive like straight in. I feel like we've had some, you know, kind of like personal one-on-one back and forth of like what we were going to talk about, just observing each other on social media. You've certainly gone through some changes over the past year. And, you know, I like to keep it blunt on the podcast. So I really want to just like understand you're now self-employed. How long have you been self-employed and what made you take that jump? And also I should mention like clueless in like as a self-employed, like title headline category, what do you do as a self-employed consultant, director, <laughs> fractional, you know, content creator, insert all the things, please. I love that you like had all those different like words for it because my friend has been a consultant his whole life. And when I started saying freelance, he's like, don't call yourself that. Like, don't. And so I've learned, I'm like, okay, I guess, you know, it's a dirty word. It's contract. It's fractional. Right. So I had no idea. And I still say freelance, but I guess there's like a nicer way to say it. But it it was really scary. So I I fully have been self-employed since May, um, since I left Cookies. And before that, during the pandemic, really, the pandemic kind of opened the doors for like, you know, the side hustles and the for extra sure, for work sure. that you could take on being remote. So from 2020 to 2022, I had my full-time salary job, but I started to get some side work because cannabis, you know, could flip. Job flip on a dime. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I kind of need a life raft right? Like I'm getting paid six figures here. And if I lose this job, my unemployment's 400 a week, baby. Like, you know, isn't that crazy how there's no sliding scale? Like how could someone who's making like half a million dollars get reduced? Sorry, I hope this works for you. (laughs) Right? So had all these like little like side social gigs, you know, like super, because social, social is so open. You can do a lot of things on the side with your skills. So when I was done with cookies, I realized now more than ever, people want the fractional social media. And it kind of all just came at once. I think I have been subconsciously preparing myself and my network for this to get all these leads, I guess, which is like really hard to think about now because now more than ever, people are on LinkedIn because they all got laid off. <laughs> so my skills are in high demand but i have so much competition but i feel like i'm a step ahead because i've been preparing myself for Mm. this and i think that a lot of people who are saying that they've been laid off look in this route you know like 
don't go for the next full time. Maybe start to think about freelance consulting, social media. Because I think brands are going that way too. So like cannabis, right? Cannabis social media. If you want someone experience, I don't know anyone who would do it for less than a hundred thousand. I just don't. And I don't know brands who want to pay that. So That's I'm a very like, good point. hey, yeah. So I'm like, hey, I'll just do it for like a low few thousand a month. And then you win and I win and I get like more clients. So like I was talking to a really big cannabis brand yesterday that wants to take me on. And I told them this exact thing. I'm like, I think it's in your best interest to not hire full time. Just keep me. And like, you'll have less of a headache. You'll save money and we'll all win. So right now, more than ever, I think it's really easy to be self-employed to the extent of work is there. For sure. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's so much opportunity out there. I just think it's like funneling that opportunity. So to maybe your point, mm-hmm. like you have figured out these platforms that are just right for networking. So I say it every episode. I'm going to say it again. Get your asses on LinkedIn. Like it is just such a LinkedIn. powerful platform that is free and pretty cannabis friendly. I mean, I know I've seen a couple things. I think like Alice Moon has shared some things like she's gotten posts taken down, but she's also you, yeah. yeah, shown how the platform is willing to work with her. And she's kind of come out to be a very cannabis centric, you know, kind of content creator on the platform. But just like a business to business perspective, if you're like, I have a skill set or I need to find somebody like going to LinkedIn and having your profile ready, having, you know, your bio prepared, just being a person who's like engaging. I think you do a really great job of like posting content consistently for yourself, which is kind of like a twofold thing, I think sometimes. And maybe you can like speak on this a little bit, right? Like I feel, um, what's the saying? It's like the shoemaker's kids are always, you know, not wearing shoes. So it's like you're doing social media for everybody else. Like how do you do social media for yourself? So I feel like you do a good job doing social media for yourself. <laughs> can you Thank speak you. to kind of what like, is it just part of you? Or are you like, well, duh, why wouldn't you do your own branding and like put yourself out there? Or it hasn't been like an active process of like, okay, I'm going to show up intentionally. I'm going to create content. I'm going to, you know, create conversations so that I can be visible. I can be a part of the dialogue. I can be the person. Cause like to me, I think of it so much so, which is like why I'm such a personal brand. You want to be top of mind. And if you can like put yourself out there when someone is having an issue or a challenge and be the person who's like, oh, it's me. I'm here. I've always been here. They're going to like most likely be like, oh, I just saw Liz talking about insert whatever topic. Let me just go slide in her DMs and and maybe she's available for me to hire. So how do you kind of view that and how have you positioned yourself to like succeed in that regard as now an independent? Yeah, you know, I think that there's there's a huge debate in social media between the personal brand and your work because i see people post they're like social media is my job and when i'm done i'm done i don't want to think about it but i'm a child of the internet i loved my space i loved i am like i love social media it is like i can't like it's my life but for sure i love it with tiktok right like if i and 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 it's so frustrating because I know that, you know, social media, like I said, we're so divided on this, but like, I feel like if you're a social media manager, you should have good socials of your own, right? Because I mean, like, if you can't even brand yourself, but I know other people are divided on this, but like, like I have a great portfolio a, piece, like to say like, hey, it's here's, my portfolio. Yeah, what I can do. That's the only reason. Yeah, like, I don't care about TikTok, but I care that I have 36,000 followers because then that just instantly shows someone that I know how to use TikTok. Absolutely. Like, that's all I, that's all I care about. And, and I, I love that you brought this up because I've been thinking about this a lot lately that I haven't really been creating as much on TikTok. And I'm okay with that, honestly, because like I said, I'm not a TikToker. That just shows that I know what to do. I have fun every now and then, but. I am really focusing all my efforts on LinkedIn because it's fun. <laughs> Instagram is like whatever, but like LinkedIn is fun. I love breaking news. I love having the conversation. I love just, you know, like like LinkedIn is such an early morning thing for me. Like I wake huh. up really early and I just like scroll because I feel like that like I don't I don't use LinkedIn during the day. Like I feel like the app is kind of like 
programmed where all this stuff happens in the middle of the day. Like it's, it's kind of weird, but like I don't get fed things. That's interesting. At a certain time, unless I do it in the morning. Yeah. So I come on in the morning and I'm just like, you know, typing, having conversations. I love my hot takes. I piss people off sometimes. I don't care. Like, <laughs> I feel like this is the industry or like this is the time, yeah, to be transparent and to kind of like speak from your point of view, because I really don't think, especially in cannabis, and I do want to get into a little bit of like, you're in cannabis still, like, don't get me wrong, but you've also been super vocal about the challenges, obviously, that doing social media in general in this industry has created. And so I think by not tethering yourself to a cannabis brand as your primary income, you have the flexibility to be like, you know what? I'm going to now go play over here with food and entertainment and yeah. like not threatening platforms. I don't care how much you wish cannabis wasn't stigmatized with these social media platforms. The reality is it fucking is. And so I think that yeah. that's another observation I kind of realized about you. You have now this freedom as an independent to go kind of like play in other industries really kind of see what social media and these platforms can actually do without being throttled. Because yeah. like quick little mention, I don't think I got a chance to update. I don't know if you saw my post today. I just did a sponsored piece of content for a brand. They're for okay. sure cannabis related. In fact, you know, I'll give them a little shout out. They're called Bud Love. They're like a bud mixer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that. It's not even weed, but it looks like weed because it's got marshmallow leaf in it and some other, you know, uh-huh. cannabinoids, CBGs. In it. So I'm assuming they're using like hemp flower. I did a giveaway. I posted within seven minutes. Instagram took it down, sent me the, you know, <laughs> warning letter. But their warning uh-huh. said it was graphic violence, nudity. And I'm like, at least if you're going to reprimand me, like give me the correct categorization for why you pulled my content down. So this morning I went on a whole little like rampage of like, fuck Instagram. I hate Instagram. It's dead to me. No one works um, there. <laughs> no, no. There are all these bots that are managing these these triggers, right? And so it's very defeating. And like as a content creator myself, I'm having the hard conversation with me of like, do I want to... Did you drop the joint? <laughs> I dropped it. It'll work well. Their degree burns are cool. Their degree burns. <laughs> We're not burning through our clothes. Push it. Push it. Push it. <laughs> but like, it's so frustrating as a personal brand, as someone who has her own brand that's like all built around cannabis to be like, fuck, like now I've kind of I, I joke and maybe you can speak to this part too, but like, I feel like I've got like a red letter now on my account. No matter what I do on Instagram, they're just like, this girl posts about cannabis and we're going to call it shadow banning, throttle, insert whatever. It's just obviously not as easy as I used to be a food blogger. Oh my God, my food content got so much more engagement. I have friends who are music bloggers, music content creators. So when you started posting yeah. like, hey, I'm going to go work with these food brands, I was like, son of a bitch. I was like, I love it. I'm so jealous. Like, go, girl, go. So just can you speak to that a little bit about what it's like kind of transitioning out of cannabis? Like what it's compared, like creating cannabis content versus non-cannabis content? Like, do you do the platforms really ding you or dock you because it's cannabis? Or is that just something that we kind of have made up because we feel so penalized by it? Like, I'm just curious what your hot take might be on this topic. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean... <laughs> I'll tell you, my first real reality check with food was when we opened up Herbs, which is like this really famous burger place out here. The Rock showed up. You know, The Rock, like Dana White, Addison Ray, everyone was there. And I'm like, cannabis can never. Cannabis can never. Even even with all the celebrity endorsements we're starting to get, you'll never get someone like The Rock at your cannabis event just because of his business his partnerships like there's just so much to it that all feeds into the stigma sure and that was i think the biggest like oh wow (laughs) okay we have so much work that needs to be done to even be you know treated like other industries but i love food you know i love food content Prince Street pizza i was able to grow their tiktok this year like twenty six thousand organically millions and millions and millions of views i did full troll marketing i never have like that little question like is this gonna get like you don't think it's gonna get deleted it's right it's so nice and you know along with food i am doing celebrity consulting now um i have two actresses wow um, so i do their social yeah um i have a solar energy client <laughs> i do all their linkedin stuff 
Incredible. Um, all three cannabis brands. One of them's on the Northeast. Two are in California. Actually, four. Four. Yeah. So I'm still very much in. It's so funny. Yeah. All my hot takes just give me so much work. Like I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't give a fuck, dude. This one time, this guy like DM me last month, and like he was like, "Are you worried about your sizes?" I'm like, "No." Do you know why? Because a recruiter is typing in social media, and my post comes up first. Not like my profile comes up first. Not my post, baby. My profile. And why? Because you interact with my posts. I wish there was vetting in cannabis. If there was actually vetting in cannabis, half of these people still wouldn't have jobs. <laughs> you know, I wish like where those are some facts. What you think. Yeah. Like what you think on social media, not everyone's reading it. You know, there are like such like bullshit people who say crazy things, but like you can't guarantee that people who you need to see it are seeing it. So like mm. all my hot takes are clearly not pissing off the people who are asking me to work with them. You know, they're like, they're impressed. They It brings engagement. It brings conversation. I just like conversation. I like holding a forum. I'm not married to anything. I don't get offended by anything. I just like to talk. No, that's a really interesting point. <laughs> I think sometimes people want to shy away from controversy, but I think, and obviously yeah. there's some tact to it and strategy maybe and Maybe part of it is having the no fucks given attitude because like you are fortunate to li- to be in a position where that's not the bulk of your business. It's like if you come great, if you go, the door's right there. Don't let it hit you. Yeah, I could imagine if someone it's like I'm trying to get at the point for like maybe some of the listeners who are like, oh, I'm just a cannabis content creator or just a cannabis person. And like if I say this, like that's going to exile X, Y or Z so many people. But at the same time, it's like to your point. People aren't even really reading half the things they're saying. Sometimes I watch some of those like videos from TikTok where you're scrolling through the comments and it's just, oh, your hair looks stupid or the hat you wore is ugly. And it's like people aren't even paying attention to the content you're actually saying. They're just offended by maybe you just even showing up and having an opinion. And so like feed into that. Maybe like it's good to be controversial with content, which is something that I'm realizing as well, even with podcasting and these topics it's like i'm not here to make everybody feel comfortable i'm here to talk and have like you said conversation and i love talking and i love figuring out different perspectives and especially if i can learn something new in the process while also highlighting a topic that's clearly so engaging for people to want to weigh in in the first place so it's like if you don't have these hard conversations then what the fuck are you doing on social media you're just like inflating people's egos or you know scratching the surface you're not really getting into anything deep so i appreciate that you highlighted that because People are afraid of talking about those things sometimes. I mean, you've seen my Prince Street marketing. Like, all I do is post oily pizza and I just make them squirm. Like, millions and millions and millions of people view these and they're like, that's disgusting, that's disgusting. I'm like, I don't care. The more you comment, the more reach and engagement and views I get, baby. Like, I learned I learned in my blogging days nine years ago, like, Ugh. don't read the comments. It's coming from a place of jealousy. It's coming from a place of, like, anger has nothing to do with you has nothing to do with you and gen z knows these kids have thick skins like I need some of that i need some of the thick skin from the gen z generation because it's hard not to take it personal again i think when you're getting back into that like personal brand versus business Perhaps. brand like i think if you're making content for someone else maybe you don't get as you know hurt by certain things that are said but when you're putting your face on it or you're saying stuff and people like just the other day an interesting topic i am curious what your hot take is on this idea in texas there is i can't even believe i'm saying it out loud because it sounds so preposterous saying it out loud you're gonna maybe laugh when i say it people are selling thca flour Oh my god yeah they're selling thca flour which to most people who know a, a thing or two about marijuana that's the acidic form of THC and that's what marijuana is in general like it's not activated until the acid burns off through decarboxylation which is why you light a joint why you bake it why you use heat yeah but people are so tapped into this little loophole as as they are in multiple you know arenas here in in Texas and kind of like right. the vast hemp market we got hemp derived delta 9 obviously delta 8 but i posted it on linkedin THCV. and THCV THCV too but we have this yep. guy and one of my comments and he's like, oh, you must be feeding in from big pharma and big marijuana that you <laughs> don't think that THCA flower is legitimate. And I'm like, what the fuck are you even saying, dude? Like, do you know who I am? Do you know where I come from? Do you know what I talk about? Like, 
don't give a shit about big pharma or big cannabis. Like, I just want to ask questions because customers are asking me these questions. Like, literal customers Wait, real are asking. Quick, real quick. Yeah. Real quick. Shada, to answer your question, he doesn't know anything about you. Because these are flip. These are quick. For these sure. quick. They have no attention span. Like, that's how you think about it first. Like, this guy is no bad. He's coming in. The only thing he's ever seen is this. He's got close opinion and move on. Well, right. And just like that, you know? Well, like, like, so he doesn't even he's he wasn't even following me it was a follower of someone else because you see how linkedin kind of spreads that so yes that's the punchline right it's just he's a flip it doesn't even matter but it it hurt me for like five minutes i saw it and i stared at it and i was like ew like who the fuck are you dude and (laughs) then i let it roll off my back and i was like i got bigger things to do i was like thank you for your comment i'm gonna now go make content off of your comment so obviously using it to my advantage but it's hard not to take some of those things personal when again i think it's your personal brand or it's your livelihood or it's your job kind of like on the line so to speak to some extent i guess the best so when I started, so TikTok and Instagram are two very different audiences, and we must realize that. They do not have a sense of humor on Instagram. They have a sense of humor on TikTok, okay? They have a sense of humor on, like, Twitter. But, like, once you figure out, because everyone listening, once you figure out that every platform hey. has a different audience, and same user, you shift your reaction based on your channel, you know? People are professional as hell on LinkedIn. They'll have a totally different persona, like, on Twitter. So... Good point. When I started troll marketing, I kept it on TikTok because these people I was a humor. So when I started, you know, like co-posting and taking some Prince Street stuff and putting it on Instagram of the oily, I got reamed. Okay? Reamed. We're never coming to your restaurant again. That was so dis- like total reaction, like so different, right? So then when I started doing my own personal branding troll marketing on TikTok, I was having so much fun with it. So sure. I did this one where I'm like, when you're the brat of the family and you get your own room on vacation, had so much fun on TikTok. I brought it to Instagram and I got terrible hate. And this was the first time I had to like, you know, really like put my own advice and be uh. like, this is so fun. And my friends are commenting like, oh my God, like they're being so mean. I'm like, I love it. I love it. It's fun. It's troll. I posted a troll video. Uh. It's going to piss people off. I have to accept that. And I think it's a day-by-day process because we are so vulnerable online. You know, just yesterday on LinkedIn, like my New York post, you know, I had some people were like, hey, like I'm representing New York, blah, blah. And it hurt a little, but then I had to realize I'm like, this is all the open forum. Everything that we're talking about should be said. Someone's allowed to disagree with me on my own post. It's fine. But it's a process. It takes it takes a lot of time and making content to like kind of get there. And I could see how it's really like daunting to people. But I think, you know, once you realize how detached it is and how, you know, sometimes these are bots, right? I love telling people, I'm like, you're arguing with a bot. You're arguing with a computer. Like I have like my viral, like, you know, water one, like give postal workers water when it's hot. And so many people are like... <laughs> They can bring their own water. And I'm like, I don't think you're a real person, but you're getting so much people like, who are you? Like so many people mad at this like comment. And I'm like, you guys, this is probably a bot. How do I know? I'm going to treat you like a bot though. Uh, I'm going to call you a bot because you're not even like acting humane right now. So like really good such feedback. Muck, right? There's such muck through the internet now. Twitter. I don't even, I don't even fuck with Twitter anymore. Like Twitter I don't is fuck just with like Twitter. void. People are arguing with bots there, Facebook, arguing, like, ugh, as soon as you get rid of that aspect, the heal. <laughs> no, it's good no, cathartic feedback because I'm listening and I'm, like, self-soothing with your advice. I'm For like, sure? it's okay, Shada, like, you can say sometimes controversial things and like get comments that maybe don't settle well with you and like you can move on and you can keep going it just is unfortunate that we especially on the cannabis side it's like you're stuck dealing between controversy and then like terrorism and i i say that lightly considering everything else going on in the world but the terrorism of these platforms right like they're just like blatantly censoring there's no rhyme or reason it's very i mean for me 
this morning, I build this brand be based on what effort was going to go into me posting that content for them. And now that it got taken down, I literally had to send the brand an email and be like, well, I still did the there. work. So yep. I hope you pay me still. You can use right. this content content as user generated content. But also I'm like, well, I don't know what the what's the right thing to do. So you said you've been there. How, like, how do you handle yeah. that, especially in cannabis where you're making content, whether it's for a brand, specifically probably with a content creator, you're the content creator, you've hired a content creator, their content gets taken down. Money has obviously been exchanged. What are the fucking rules? So I was the content creator, I think like early this year, I worked with Source and they paid me to make a video about like their new box. And I did it in kind of like a fun TikTok-y like unboxing way. And it got deleted in like 30 minutes. So I immediately emailed them. And when I said, hey guys, um, here's the video. It got deleted, but I'm going to make something new. So I did this time without any words because in the first one I was like talking and like about the strains and everything. Sure. So the second time I just did this and I told them, I'm like, and by the way, this probably won't perform as well. I'm so sorry, but you know, I did the work. So I just made a second one. I made a super chill and compliant and they were, they were chill, you know, like, sure. thank you source for being chill. Yes, and I would you. on the receiving end because it's not your fault by now we like realized that there is literally no rival reason like no it's a gamble <laughs> every single post it's just a toss-up some days cookies will get deleted some days like it's awful but yeah if you're in that situation provide that you did the work and just think of a different one you know like for you advice maybe there's something else you could do or you know like maybe you could do a graphic instead of a video that got fed but like you know if you still want to like keep the partnership or like some content Maybe just try something different and like it doesn't. And then, and this is what it sucks, right? This is what you tell them, like, look, this won't be the best. Right. I just want to make something that's going to pass. Is that cool? And they should be because you already did try to be yourself. Right. No, that's fair advice. I think for me to push back on that a little bit, it's frustrating because I think I did everything compliant based on what I know. And for me oh, to go yeah. make new content, it's more time that I'm investing. And it just is like par for the course, unfortunately, that I just I don't like, yes, I could if I had like generosity in my heart and maybe I'll find it after this call somewhere like, oh, you know what? I'll just do like a talking head video because in the video I was like rolling or, or packing a cone. So maybe Instagram is like, oh, she's actually showing drug paraphernalia. Like that's a that's no, no. So I, I wish get we it. Knew. Exactly. I wish we knew. It's just the feedback that I got from posting my reaction to the deletion of the video. Because I went to Instagram to my stories and I posted to my followers. I was like, this is fucking stupid. Yeah, yeah. Here's why. And I had split responses of like, oh, well, maybe try this. This is how you will get around Instagram. Or, oh, maybe try that. That's how you get around Instagram. And to yeah. me, I looked into my account because you can go into your settings and you can see, like, is my account yeah. flagged? And Instagram is like, you better be careful. You could lose your account if you keep violating our terms. And so to me, I'm like, it's yeah, not yeah, fucking yeah. worth it. Like, I don't want to lose my 24,000 followers to try to repost something for a couple hundred dollars. Like, it's just not like I already got flagged now. I'm not interested in reposting something. So I just wanted to add that. I think it's obviously people listening, if you're content creators or you're working with content creators, it's at your own discretion. Because I have a lot of friends too who are content creators who are not cannabis content creators, but CBD brands will reach out and then they'll get flagged yeah. and they're like, whoa, I, I post fitness. Like, I don't want to fucking lose my account over yeah, yeah, this yeah. one little brand deal. So it's kind of, you know, taking it with a grain of salt and also every situation is <laughs> unique because there's not a fucking rhyme or reason to it so i appreciate your exactly. two cents on it i'm just like i don't know what the fuck i'm gonna do but i digress i get it the the second one didn't get deleted if that you know if that is helpful to people who want to try again you know but yeah i just wish i wish it was like blanket rules but i know well like as i'm scrolling too like after mine gets deleted i'm seeing at least because like now my feed is like curated to like other cannabis content creators and it's like people take it soft bongs people I know. and i'm like <laughs> what the fuck like like instagram at least be equal like at least like show me that you're trying to you know whatever but depending on when this episode airs just be forewarned i had a lot of people slide into the dms saying i guess instagram is out for blood right now so there have been other people's accounts that have been i think 
more so being, you know, terrorized or censored. So just like FYI to people out there with cannabis content. But I want to kind of circle back around to, you know, kind of like the topic around you working for other brands. So you mentioned cookies. I know you've worked for other cannabis brands full time in the, you know, content, social media. I want to kind of leave it open and in for you to go into how challenging it was working for these brands or just brands in general. And I think a point to that is something that you shared around having so many different CMOs during your time. And I'd love to get into like this because it was like, was one company was something you observed in just in general in cannabis and I'll kind of, you know, tee off that conversation. I don't think it's just cannabis. I think that it is kind of startups in general. Before I got into cannabis, uh-huh. I worked in tech and I think I was DMing yeah. you, you know, I had at least like seven or eight different VP of marketing, chief marketing officer, executive yeah. during six years. So probably a new boss every year and some months. And that was so painful for me as a up and coming employee at the time, because I felt like every time I had a new boss, my job was under threat. I had to keep re-justifying what my value was with the company. Like, this is why I'm hired in this position. This is why I've been here for four, five, six years now. And, oh, you're new. And now I have to give you the whole spiel of why the hell you should keep me and not replace me with another employee. And so I just personally remember what that feeling was like. And I persevered, I think, you know, through the hard times you learn, obviously, what kind of leadership you do and don't like. You learn how you would maybe handle a situation, give or take, you know, certain circumstances. And so just knowing that you've also experienced that, but with the lens of cannabis, and now you've transitioned from working full time for these brands to now being an independent, I just want to kind of like, you know, peel the curtain back because I'm sure people listening are not immune or alone (laughs) in feeling that they might be the only person who's going through that. Like, oh my God. You know, my whole company is hemorrhaging. I mean, layer on top of that, all the brands that are hemorrhaging and firing people, Bovida, Weed Maps, Leafly. I mean, I'm sure it's happening to actual plant touching brands as well. And you can speak to that. But like you see it in the in the reports and the media and the news, like there's just so much turnover as kind of like an overarching topic in the industry. Right. And so when you're an employee at the butt of either you're getting laid off or your bosses are getting laid off, like that fucking sucks. So I know you have yeah, experience navigating that. And that was, I'm sure, what further propelled you to being like, I'm going to be an independent and not fucking deal with this shit on payroll. And I can walk away at the end of the day. So I would just love to kind of let you have the floor to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, basically in the upcoming five years of legalization, every brand in California has had one major layoff, at least. Because when it was going good, you hire up. And then now it's not going good. And like it's 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 startup life, right? We're all masquerading like like they're all startups. My first full cause like I've been, you know, I've been trapping since I came out here in 2015. I worked for like a distro and it was wonderful. I even did social media, like it was all so great. And then as soon as they flipped in 2018, I saw MedMen was out there, you know, the billboards, everything. And I'm like, holy shit, they're doing real marketing. I want to do real marketing. Like that's all I've ever wanted to do with cannabis. You know, I come from music. I've always like I want to bring my skills there. I got hired and then to the social. It was absolutely perfect. So we had one CMO there. So that's number one. He got let go about five months after about like four months after I started. Then we got number two. And I really, really loved him. And then he got let go the following June. And then they brought in someone I despise and she made us all re-interview for our jobs and she gunned for me because she came from fashion and she's like you know social like why are we doing this 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 I'm like lady yep I've been there you got your cousin here yeah hey, you got your, your husband give me a break yep yeah I quit within like two weeks okay that was the thing I'm like I'm not giving her the satisfaction of firing me all because she wants to take over social which it's like bitch I grew that stuff I yes. grew that shit 100,000 plus followers in a year first verified like men men really what we what the whole marketing team did with men men in 2018-2019 literally like was incredible like really was and then all went up in flames so <laughs> so I pieced out and that was the biggest hit of my life that was PTSD baby like I hated it I was like I was 
it took me a long time to get over it. And I have fully gotten over it. I definitely appreciate my men for what it was. It was a boot camp. I, I learned so much. I walked in with social. I left with email, influencer, blog, web. Like it, it was incredible. But that was like, you know, that was the beginning of the end of the industry already. We only had like one and a half good years of legal. And then it just like really took a hit. And that was when I just like realized, yeah, okay. It could like this is this is becoming a thing and while this is all happening and then then it's happening everywhere else so i'm starting to gather friends like after five years i could say at least 25 of my friends i had the same trajectory and it's not it's not us you know like when i was at a, when i was at a cannabis company they had to cut salaries like it's not my like it's not my fault like when you right. hop around cannabis i don't fault anyone for how long they've stayed anywhere because i just know how all these companies are so what i think started to become the pattern then is you start a new company so after i left MedMen, i went to west coast cure and this wasn't my situation because it was a smaller team but now and it will be my situation later but you go into a team a new one and you're so freaking excited you have ideas but you're met with a hardened team they just went through their own layoffs they just got a new cmo they don't like they they don't they they're underpaid so like you, you immediately lose that spark. Yep. You immediately lose that hell. Like, and that's how I know they're all the same. Like, they're all the same. I don't know one brand except for 710 that right. is doing well enough to love life. I'm sorry. Even Kiva just had a round of layoffs. Kiva, number one. Uh huh. So we're all kind of hardened. So that's three CMLs already. Then I go to West Coast here and they had a CMO, but then the pandemic hit and I unfortunately had a death in the family. So I wasn't there long, but that's CMO number four. And then I started with Advanced Nutrients and my boss got let go within like three weeks and the pandemic started. So CMO number five, and then they hired Roseanne, who I love to death, but then they let her go in like two months. So CMO number six, and then I went over to Canacraft where Angela was there in CMO and I left her but my direct report quit within a month because other opportunities so half boss <laughs> so this is the second time in a row my direct report leaves within a month and then I went over to cookies and my direct report leaves in a month and what are we at? I think we're number eight or something and then they uh, the chief CMO leaves and they never rehire any of these roles and I was, I'm going to make a LinkedIn status about this soon, but being like, how can you fault someone for losing motivation when, you know, you don't even like, you can't even appreciate your team enough to hire them ahead or like a boss or anything. It's and devastating everywhere. Yeah. And this is like this, that has been the trajectory. This is like, and it's, like, I really can't stress enough. It's the same. Purely, just everyone goes through it. It's everybody. And it's nuts. And I just think, you know, you're playing with capital. You're having fun. CMOs are always the first to go because you're the head of the marketing and, you know, you have one back campaign piece. But yeah, that's like, that's what California and I, I'm like, I could think of like Las Vegas might be too, but like, this is what California cannabis workers have been dealing with on um, at least the marketing, sales, accounting, like the real corporate side for the last like five years. And it's pretty nuts. No, it's fucking brutal. I mean, obviously you <laughs> lived through it. I, I want to highlight and echo the sentiment of it being a boot camp because that's kind of what I walked away from my tech experience thinking like, I fucking hated it, but I also really appreciated it for what it was. And it made me the person that I am today. And like you said, it gave me a breadth of skill sets that I couldn't have learned in any other kind of capacity, but it doesn't take away from just the reality, the shitty nature of it. And you're talking about, obviously, this is happening in California. I'm picking up a little bit and you mentioned it, you know, just like as these states open up legalization and it's exciting. Everybody's hiring and there's so much opportunity. And then as things normalize out and the last six months of this podcast, I, you know, it's like fortunate and also really unfortunate. You're, you're talking to a lot of brands. I had a lot of Colorado brands, which to a lot of people is, you know, one of those OG markets and they're down. Their sales are down. They I thought heard. 420 was going to be up. And then it's like, okay, well, maybe Colorado sales are down because 
inflation or this. And it's like, well, now you have Oklahoma, you have Arizona, you have New Mexico, you have all these other states online, which to me just kind of like lends itself to the conversation of any version of federal legalization, any version of more states going online. Like I just, we're, we're obviously like not through it by any means. And so, of course, I know sitting here in Texas and people are so fucking excited and I'm the wet blanket of the group who's like, how about we really take a look at the rest of the United States? How about we take a look at these legacy markets? How about we no read does. the writing on the wall and just to be or blunt, let's laws. just talk about it. Yeah, read the fucking laws. But I mean, you're talking about some of these brands more so, I guess, in California, maybe plant touching. I mean, I mentioned... Leafly Weed Maps Bovida Bovida shocked me because they're out in Michigan. They're a massive brand. Dutchy. Dutchy also had a lot of layoffs. And it's like, to me, I'm like, these are platforms. These are tech. So like it's the point I guess we're trying to make is it's not any exclusive category in the industry. I think it's the reality of all these things. It's inflation. It's more states going online. It's the instability of the market. And I just like want people to be more prepared for it. And not that they can't survive it. But to your point too, you know, when you're looking at, unfortunately, who's the first to go in most of these scenarios and like knowing my audience is predominantly marketing oriented, it's like, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. Like, you know, they're going to come for you. So it's more just a, you know, forewarning to not be afraid, but to be prepared, right? Like, I just, that's what I want people to walk away from is not to be like scared shitless. Like, I think we've all had our moments where we're like crying in the bathroom, like what the fuck's going to happen? How am I going to pay my bills? But at the same time, how do you be prepared? So maybe it's setting up a side hustle, a side project diversifying, because I just don't see it getting any better in cannabis. And so like, from your perspective coming from such a dominated market i mean also plug you know we have a previous episode with you i think it was from two years ago at this point now you were on the podcast way early but we got into some of these topics and so people want to hear your full story like i encourage them to go back and listen to that episode but i just remember talking to you and you're like shada all these big brands in california that people think are making money like they're not and like that always stuck with me and everywhere i would go i'm like you better listen to me because I know stuff and people are like, no, no, no. California and Colorado, they're doing fine. And I'm like, no, literally, I talk to people who are in these markets who tell me they're not doing fine. And so I just yeah. don't know what like, like, I kind of want to get into a little bit of speculation with you now, too, because you just did a post on LinkedIn. It was one of your hot takes. You're talking about legalization, obviously, when states go from medical to rec. I want to yeah. get into like, like, let's go into our future predictions. because I know that's quite car- kind of part of what we wanted to talk about today. I 2023 2023 <laughs> like what's gonna happen at a federal level do we really want federal legalization is that good for cannabis like I just got put on my radar by my fiance shout out Sage for always coming in with some truth he goes did you know the DEA has a cannabis grow in New Mexico it's called like bright bright try bright yeah. light farms or something yeah and he was just like why and do you the think exchange. why do you think the dea has a has a grow and it's like i've seen these stats and it says basically idaho could grow all research, the hemp right? in the united states and mm-hmm. it could fund all the products in america so it's like realistically if you go towards federal legalization this is where my brain goes the dea could just grow their own they could have it they could regulate it they know what's in it they know how to distribute it why would we even like I don't think we're going to really get federal legalization with distribution. I think it's going to be for the few, maybe multi-state operators who have these deep pockets, these deep ties to pharma. I just realistically don't think they're going to let interstate commerce happen in the capacity that we think it's going to happen. And also what that impact is going to have on all these people who are vying after licenses. Like there's a long list of people in Texas who want a license when we go wreck. And I'm like, you think they're going to give you a license? There's three medical licenses Two are operational. They're $400,000 every two years to maintain. You have to be vertically integrated. And you think all 2,000 of you hemp licensees are going to get fucking cannabis licenses? No way is the state of Texas going to let you do that. So I just said a lot. I want to hear your thoughts. Give give us some Liz hot takes. So federal is always going to be, you know, federal is always going to be on the horizon. Operations wise, it'll be a shit show because everyone is literally working on their own states. So I think interstate commerce and, you know, 
descheduling, decriminalizing, you know, just like, just making sure you're not fucking arrested for it. Okay. That is to get there. Plus trying to explore interstate commerce, I think has a better chance of federal. Cause you know, at the end of the day, federal, you're talking politics here. There's like deep pockets everywhere. There's religion. There's everything. Like we have a big fight here. So, you know, little wins while we can. I mean, come on. This year was already something, you know, progress, whatever. Like this was already something, but I think that we are just not like we are not prepared for a full blown just getting how everyone already operates. I well, think well, why do you think we're not ready value- for full blown? Like what what is what do we need as is it what do we need as we need federal? A, what do we, we need as states in order to see some stuff get moved? We need to start working together. So like interstate commerce or something. You know, like California has to be able to ship somewhere already before we're like yeah, woo! Everything you've been doing for the last years and years and years on your state no longer matters. Like, what about our laws? Like, do local laws still apply? You know, like at the end of the day, everything's local. So if it went federal, maybe nothing would change. <laughs> like, Beverly Hills is still illegal. Like, it always, like, when a state goes wreck, it's still down to the counties. So who knows, right? Like, okay, I just like, that's why I'm gonna be LinkedIn post. <laughs> if we go federal, nothing's gonna fucking change. Well, let me interject um, a thought too, because I come from the hemp side and hemp is federally legal and we do have interstate commerce. I've seen how much, like to me, hemp is the example. And until hemp gets their shit together, you're not gonna see it with marijuana. Yeah. I was just in DC lobbying a couple months ago. We're trying to get these politicians to put pressure on the FDA to make some sort of update in terms of, can you list cannabis and CBD as safe? And the FDA is like, nope, we don't want to fucking make a comment. And these politicians are like, to your kind of point, well, we've got other politics and we've got religion and we've got other issues. So like cannabis, low on the totem pole. We don't really want to budge on it. And so to me, it's like, wow, at a federal level with hemp, you have so much shit going wrong from a testing perspective, testing and standardization. That like until that gets sorted out, which I know people are working on. Again, I'm not trying to be like a total wet blanket. I'm just trying to be like, let's pay attention. And so if hemp can't figure out consistent testing, if there's no standardization for how these products get labeled, what is safe, what's consumer efficacy, then like how is marijuana going to go there? To your point, when you have municipalities with different laws and it's all exaggerated with people who don't care or pay attention and they're like... I'm going to just bring my Oklahoma 10,000 milligram chocolate bar down to Texas. And I'm like, do you think Texas wants your 10,000 milligram chocolate bar? That's not going to be legal in our state. So it just to me is putting it in such a contrasting like, again, I don't I don't think legalization is coming anytime soon. I would hope to your point in terms of I I don't know if it's decriminalization. Those are kind of posts that I'm working on. Like some things to where it's like not an offense. Whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Whatever it's going to be. Legalization is what New York is doing. Well, what is New York doing? I know you were just in New York (laughs) and I saw that they're now getting their hole in a hoopty around these bodegas operating and they're finding, you know, I don't know. I saw like fentanyl and some of these drugs and it's like, you don't know who you're buying oh, from. Yeah, and- I saw they've been tested. There's like E. coli. That's so scary. I mean, it look, it it feels unsafe. Like all people who live in New York, they've had their guy for years. They're not feeling like, yeah, let's go to Wadega. It feels very like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust. I don't know. It felt just like you don't know where it's from. It's kind of weird. And I come from, I come from California where it's like very tested. But yeah, no, I'm really excited. I just like, they're, they're like back they're just backtracking their laws they're just like they're going really fast like before you know licenses most and this happens pretty much everywhere but like licenses are just granted they don't come with an address like just because you have a license you can sit on it and sell it like having a license doesn't mean you're going to do anything with it so i think you know that's going to be the hard reality for a lot of people because now you're a business owner now you have hundreds and thousands of rent somewhere and I have employees like, is everyone cut out for it? No, no. Just like, this is like, just cause it's a free for all doesn't mean you've ever been a business owner in your life. I know there are regulations that like say, like, I, I know that there, like, there are vetting for that. Like, I think there are like, you know, years attached, like to owning a business, but like, this is not easy and you are going to have to learn the hard way i guess like we all had to basically 
like years and years of turmoil we've been through. And I think like New York is probably going to have to go with it. Probably even harder though, because they were vertically medical. So like now they have to build all these brands. Like California, we were horizontal medical. There were a lot of brands already. Florida's vertical medical. So I think it's just going to be really interesting for sure. I want to bring up too, because when I was in DC lobbying, I remember DMing you and being like, oh, what are like DC cannabis laws? And it's very great. (laughs) It's like... It's adult use. Yeah, they like legalized it so that they couldn't I guess like deal with them but it's technically not legal legal it's kind of like you go into the dispensary but it's fronted as a CBD store and then you have to ask for a menu and buy paraphernalia which then gets you cannabis so you're buying it through a gifting program versus like a true medical or recreational dispensary and it was like a little bit frightening because one i paid fucking too much money for a joint i think i paid 40 dollars for a single joint a one gram joint because i bought a lighter and so i was gifted the joint but there was no quality there was no coa attached to it i don't know what the strain was and of course i bought it because i was curious and of course i smoked it because i wanted to get high but like in retrospect thinking about it i was like what did i just buy and so i ended up dming the brand and being like do you grow this like where did this come from is this legal Uh because the person i was with he also bought one and it was not very good quality. Like for what we paid for, I was expecting some really yeah, yeah. tasty stuff and it was like very swaggy. And they were like, no, we take so much pride. We grow our own. It's all DC grown. And I was like, I don't know if you should be telling people that because this isn't really great shit. So yeah. Not to, you know, poo poo on the DC market or anything. It was I didn't just... get good stuff in New York. No, I like the menu that I went to two shops, like real, like legit consumption lounges. And um, the menu was like 90% California, 10% New York. And I'm like, I'm going to buy New York. You know, I want to see stuff. And what they had in like the container that you looked at was not what I got in the bag. So, and I didn't even like say anything. I was like, whatever. It's the New York experience. But yeah, no. Like, How do you know it was California versus New York? Like they're marketing California brands or California me. products or... Oh, they have California products. Yeah. They've been trafficking for years. I was able to get I know, Corova, but like, like on a menu... Like they're literally yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously, these are like, like these aren't licensed shops. So yeah, that yeah, was yeah. like post. I'm like, how are we? Like, there will always be out of state products in New York. How do you uplift New York brands? It's gonna be tough. Yeah, that's that's the hard part. Gardens everywhere, everywhere. Well, especially coming from California, where I think that fight, at least from my observation, again, I am by no means California resident to any capacity dated a guy for nine months who lived in san francisco so maybe that's a little bit of a claim to understanding the california market from a local perspective but aside from that to me that was always a struggle it's the legacy operators versus the regulated market and like when you transition into regulated there's still going to be legacy because people are maybe have already built really great brands and businesses and don't need to deal with the regulation side of things and so I think you're going to just see a lot more of that happen with states like New York. And they're clearly like already yeah. doing it, whether it's New York legacy or California legacy. Like they're obviously like, we don't care, but it's going to be hard to your point of like bringing these brands in, establishing some sort of quality assurance. And for me, it's always punctuated. I'm I'm a consumer. These are consumer packaged goods that we are selling for better or worse. I just brought it up on one of my previous episodes, but I went to an MJ Biz after party and I walked up to one of the parties and someone just had a bowl of pre-rolls. There was no, this is the strain, this is the genetics, this is who grew it, this is the percentage, (laughs) here's a COA, like minimum, just like this is what you're smoking. And I was very, you know, disturbed by it because I just think we need to do a little bit better if we want to see progress being made in terms of actually getting towards some sort of legalization or government being like yes let's trust the the pre-rolls in a basket with no labeling on them like right? i know there were probably yes. not fentanyl laced in those pre-rolls because we were at a pretty public mj yeah, biz yeah. party but <laughs> if that was at let's say you know your friend's house 
just about a bowl yeah. of pre-rolls like i probably i don't know depending on if you know your friend very well would you take it or not yeah so. not exactly you should always you should always you know especially like flour like flour less dodgy in my opinion but like edibles and like vapes you know really always be careful with those things i would never buy a vape or an edible especially from an unlicensed shop because too heavy on the dosage for edibles and vape you never know what the fuck is that yeah the vapes are very scary for me unfortunately these days great thoughts great opinions okay final question just like what is your final predictions like what do you hope or anticipate is going to potentially happen in 2023 federal state anything i would really oh i'm just I guess we're kind of moving into like more layoffs, I guess, right? This is like the beginning. Um, so I think probably like more more layoffs, more emphasis on the personal brand and like, you know, finding jobs. And I think brands are becoming more on board with that. They really do see the sides of like agency freelance work. More states are just going to be figuring it out, right? Like we're just going to be like going with it seeing how they do i don't know if california is going to stabilize yet like some serious like tax work needs to be done i just read actually that they owe like there's a lot that they've already collected in taxes but we owe like 600 million to like california like we don't even have that (laughs) so like you know (laughs) trade trade them some flour in exchange for the money that they owe the state or something Right. So I'm hoping for stabilization in California, Ooh. but I really don't know. But yeah. How okay. About you? Well, one for me, well, so Texas has its 88th legislative session kicking off in January. Okay. And the state of Texas is that we've got two markets, right? So we have medical marijuana. They are hoping to go from 0.5, I mean, sorry, from 1% to 5%. Two years ago, they went from 0.5 to 1%. They were hoping to go from that to 5 and they didn't get it. Uh, they're capped then. No concentrations, no flour. Max they sell is like maybe 20 milligram edibles. Hemp, we wow. are capped at 0.3 but on a dry weight basis so I can sell you legally 10, 15, 20 milligram Delta 9 gummies so they certainly don't like that. So I'm anticipating they're going to be lobbying heavy. We got Delta 8 lawsuits out in the state. So you got hemp drive Delta 9. You got Delta 8. In June, they just kicked a smokable hemp ban our way. So we can sell it. You can consume it and possess it. You can cultivate hemp for smokables, but you can't manufacture or process in the state of Texas. So that hurts a lot of my cultivation friends who were processing. But the reality is nobody's, nobody's regulating. So take that information with you, if you will. So... (laughs) I'm gearing up for, you know, rolling our sleeves up and seeing what happens in legislation. We're hopeful. We're going to work. We're going to work a lot. So I'm a part of the Texas Hem Coalition. I'm on the executive board. It's kind of like the leading nonprofit advocacy group. Our organization is very involved. So we're already teeing up conversations. Just how do we mobilize? How do we get in front of policymakers? How do we go, you know, prepare ourselves for public testimony and advocate as best we can? But I talk a lot about Obviously, there's all this federal change, but you need to get involved in your local communities because that's where you can make the most impact, especially considering that every state and municipality has yeah, different laws. So I'm like, I'm, local. I'm just worried about what's happening here in my backyard. You know, are we going to be in business next year? Are we going to be able to sell yeah. the products we're selling? So I don't know yet. I'm all local. just speculating what they're going to do. But if if the previous, you know, piece of, of regulation have been any indication, it's not going to be easy so that's what i'm it's not preparing for but thoughts and prayers though oh my god thank you same to you in california i always know i can get a good reality (laughs) check yes thoughts and prayers extra prayers please i will ask you one final question just to leave the listeners with some optimism not that you haven't been grateful and optimistic you're you're (laughs) you're the into my game i'm like literally the no i'm the cynical one i'm like liz it's bad and you're like no i'm excited and i'm like you're crazy i'm I'm the crazy one. <laughs> like, if I, I love being actionable. So, like, okay, people are listening. They've made it all the way to the end. If there's like one thing Oops. they should leave right now and go do immediately <laughs> to, like, I don't know, prepare themselves, be excited, like whatever the case may be. They live all across the United States. They're not in one market particularly. Like, what's what's a piece of advice you will like to leave with the listeners, the viewers? 
I guess, you know, since Clubhouse is non-existent, um, LinkedIn has become like your best networking tool. So like, you know, I've really found like a community there of people that I really like. So if you're not on LinkedIn, I really, you know, I just like you say, I really suggest getting, if anything, just to follow and see the conversations that are happening. I think we're all so siloed in our states that people kind of need a little reality check. Like having these conversations are a wake up call to people. Like I, like we're all having the same branding, sales, everything. So like, come on in, <laughs> you know, learn something. So yeah, like LinkedIn, LinkedIn, retweet or plus one or <laughs> where the conversations are at. Well, where the conversations are sponsored no. by Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's either owned by Microsoft. They're not going under. They're not, Elon's not going to buy it. <laughs> a little bit of safety, a little good. bit of security over there on LinkedIn. No, thank you so much, Liz. Yeah. You're always a great resource to me, to yeah. the people of the podcast. Thanks everybody for tuning in. If you watched live, thank you. If you're watching this after the fact, thank you. Don't forget this is a recording on YouTube. You can find previous to be blunt recordings on YouTube. And you'll have new episodes on Mondays, every Monday. So we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks. Amazing.